0: Welcome to The Daily Buzz, and thanks for joining us this Monday morning. I'm your host, Palak Jaiswal. Today's episode is going deep on Utah Lake, so we'll jump right in with Managing Editor Grant Burningham.
1: Brian Maffley, our open lands reporter, is here to explain the Utah Lake Restoration Project and talk about some of its detractors. Brian, thank you for talking to us. Yeah, thank you, Grant. Take it from the top. Uh, what is Utah Lake Why do some people feel like it needs to be changed and what specifically is this project? Well, Utah Lake
2: is the centerpiece of Utah Valley, a large lake of 150 square miles that has long had pretty severe water quality issues because of wastewater being dumped in the lake or invasive species taking hold, especially Asian carp, instead of a wonderful amenity, it's kind of a a big liability. And a lot of people understandably would like to change that. About five years ago, a company called Lake Restoration Solutions has come up with a proposal to dredge the lake and deepen it by about an average of seven feet. The lake's average depth is now nine feet. Well, seven feet is practically doubling that depth. They would move a billion cubic yards of lake bed and form islands. And the islands are what are deeply controversial because those islands would be sold for real estate development, which would pay for this, you know, multi-billion dollar project. So concerns have been raised from every corner, you, you can imagine, from some of the cities that line the lake, like Provo or American Fork, to uh, upstream and downstream water users. A lot of the concerns are being raised by academic scientists like our guest, Ben Abbott. But the proponents of the project feel that it could do a lot of good to dredge the lake, but because it would, in theory, sequester the contaminated lake bed sediments into these islands where they'll no longer be available to be, you know, to be suspended in the water column and feed these awful algal blooms um, that have kind of proliferated over the last 30 years. You know, whether they're getting worse or better is a matter of debate, Uh, but they are present and they are real and they're making the eastern shore of the lake
1: Pretty unpleasant during much of the summer. Give me an idea of how far along this project is, like in terms of planning and finances. The
2: company only recently filed for its permits with the Army Corps of Engineers. And they've just only begun this extensive environmental review of the project that'll take at least two years, probably more. And uh, so in terms of like moving Earth, nothing's happened and nothing's going to happen for quite some time if in fact it does win approval. Um, The company says they've lined up about five to six billion dollars in financing, most of it from private sources associated with big investment banks. But a key piece of this is getting a loan from the EPA's uh, water infrastructure revolving loan program, and they're seeking nearly a billion dollars from the EPA. But at this point, not a whole lot of science has been produced that show that this, this project will actually
1: do what it says it'll do. Okay, so pretend we're standing on Provo Peak, you and I, and this thing has been built. What does the lake look like after these islands are dredged? Like how many islands are we talking about? Does it cover a, a big portion of the lake? It would reduce the service area of the lake
2: by 20%. In other words, it would create about 18 to 20,000 uh, acres of islands. There'd be maybe 30 or, or more islands, but the majority of it w- would be developed for commercial and residential real estate with um, some set aside for open, you know, open space and public recreation And you would see the islands kind of strung about in archipelagos, starting with vineyard, but then reaching around the the west shore and they'd be interconnected with causeways that would stretch uh, clear across the lake.
1: So that's a little bit about what the project is and what it's trying to do. Now we're going to talk to Ben Abbott, who's a professor of ecology at BYU and says that the claims don't add up. Ben, thanks for talking to us today.
3: Thank you so much, Grant. A pleasure to be here.
1: So Brian's told us a little bit about what this project is. What are your concerns?
3: You know, this is the a proposal to build the world's largest dredged islands in the middle of Utah's largest freshwater lake. Our concern is that this project comes in doesn't have proven scientific methods and it really could undermine the restoration and conservation work that's currently being done on Utah Lake. Talk to me a little bit about the progress because I think
1: most people still think of Utah Lake as a pretty polluted body of water, not really teeming with life or great yeah. for boating or anything else. So what what has changed on the lake recently?
3: That's such an important question. And you know, the developers would have you believe, these are actual words they've used in their website, that Utah Lake is a broken ecosystem, it's a cesspool, it's in a downward spiral. That couldn't be further from the truth. Utah Lake, especially compared to other water bodies in Utah and nationally, has a very good ecological condition. Now it does suffer from occasional algal blooms, as do most water bodies in the U.S. And there's improvement going on. So there's been a decline for most of the lake in those algal blooms. There's been a recovery of the ecological community, culminating in the downlisting of the June sucker. Um, It's an endemic fish that only lives in Utah Lake. That's only happened three times in U.S. history that a a fish species on the brink has been downlisted. It's an indicator of the overall recovery of the Utah Lake ecosystem.
1: Do you think this project's actually going to happen?
3: I ask myself this question all the time. I don't think it's possible from an engineering perspective to do what they propose, especially not at the budget that they describe. It's just such a massive project with a a billion cubic yards of sediment being moved. Um, That's about 30 times larger than the world's biggest sediment dredging for nutrient purposes project ever done. And and uh, this team has not demonstrated either the financial or technical expertise to do something like this. You know, we went through their application to the Army Corps of Engineers, and it unfortunately was extremely poorly done and didn't have um, the scientific references that it needed um, in there. It wasn't even complete based on the independent assessment of a whole bunch of different researchers. So I don't think that they can do it. What I think they can do and um, still may be probable at this phase is get things started and leave us with a huge mess. You know, start dredging in some areas damage the ecosystem, realize it's not economically feasible and then pull out.
1: This public criticism that you've made of this project has gotten quite uh, private or personal for you in the form <laughs> of I guess now interlocking lawsuits or opposing lawsuits. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So in January, the company that wants to develop the lake dropped the lawsuit off at my house, Um, got a very concerned call from uh, my wife, Rachel, about, oh my gosh, we're being sued for $3 million. And they uh, made these allegations that I'd been lying about their project and mischaracterizing it. I I have, have always done my best to really correctly represent what they've released about the project. And indeed, we were able to demonstrate that we had evidence for these statements coming right from their own materials, like statements from their their former CEO and and their proposals. So because this was uh, not only an attack on an individual, but it's a a real infringement of of free speech, we actually countersued under Utah's anti slap statute. So we believe this is what's called a strategic lawsuit against public participation, where a a developer or even an angry individual sues somebody else, not on the merits, but just to silence them. And so we submitted that lawsuit uh, in February and um, we're still waiting for the documents in response from the developers to see if they can uh, show that they were sincere in their concerns about these defamation claims.
1: Okay, Ben Abbott, thank you so much for talking to us. Very interesting topic. Thanks a lot, Grant, I appreciate it. And quickly to get the other side of this tale, In response to news about Abbott's countersuit back in February, Lake Restoration's executive John Benson wrote an email, quote, In our complaint, we ask that Mr. Abbott stop making false statements about Lake Restoration Solutions and its project to restore Utah Lake. We also ask that those false statements be removed from Mr. Abbott's social media and other websites. Notably, we do not ask him to stop participating in the public process or sharing his criticisms and opinions about the project.
0: Thanks, guys. After the bee sting heard around the world, the Utah Jazz finished their season last week after being beat by the Dallas Mavericks in Game 6 of the playoffs. But if you're not quite ready for the season to be over yet, come hang out tonight with reporters from the Tribune and Salt City Hoops to talk about the Jazz. If you're a Tribune subscriber, you should already have an invite in your email. And if you haven't subscribed to the Trib yet, now's your chance to get a digital subscription for just a few bucks go to www.sltrib.com playoff dash discount. And that's all today for the Daily Buzz. And that's also it for me too, at least for now. Reporter Sage Miller will be hosting for the rest of the week. A huge thank you to the Salt Lake Tribune Joelle Cardenas for editing the Daily Buzz today. And shout out to the Salt Lake City band, The Pelicans for our music. Until next time.